we're, uh, we're glad that you're here today, and uh, we're going to be starting a series of messages today that, uh, that this is kind of weird. We're going to kick off a series today, and then we're not going to do this series again until a few weeks later. So we're starting the series today, and then you're going to come back next week, and then we're going to be doing a totally different series. And you're like, why are we doing that? Let me tell you why. A C- couple reasons. One is, this week, life groups begin. And this time in life groups, all of us as a church, all life groups are doing the same material. We're all doing Financial Peace University. Some of you might be familiar with Dave Ramsey. He's got a radio show. He's also on television a lot. And uh, he he is kind of the financial guru, and it's all based on biblical principles. We believe in in the stuff that he teaches. We try to teach that stuff here at least once a year from the stage. And so uh, so we're going to be doing that as a group. As a church, all the groups are going to be doing the same material. So we wanted to kick off this message series the same week you're starting that stuff in life groups. The other reason, which is not really the main reason, but I think it's a good thing, is today's sermon is about money. And I know right now, for some of you, the minute I said that, you hear like the old Price is Right music. Remember the Price is Right music when somebody didn't get the thing right and they'd go, like that? Some of you right now, when, when I said, hey, we're talking about money, you're like, oh, snot, this is going to be... This is going to be rough today. In fact, right now, some of you are hoping that I'm going to pray before the message starts so that you can slip out and nobody will see you. And so the good thing about kicking off a series about money today and then not talking about it again for about four or five weeks is maybe it'll give you the chance to kind of gear yourself up and think, okay, I'm going to come back. It's not going to be that bad. I really believe that the church wants what's best for me, and I am going to come back when we talk about money. But 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 money is one of those subjects that, for whatever reason, um, people they react strongly to it, especially when we talk about it in church. And I can remember being in college uh, several many years ago now, over I guess twenty five years ago now, and um, there was a guy that I knew, and he had visited a church down in Charleston where I went to school, and he went to that church one Sunday, and then he told me and another group of people, he said, well, I'm not going back to that church. And somebody said, why not? He said, well, first Sunday I'm there and the pastor talks about money. I just don't think that's right. And I remember as as an 18 or 19 year old that that, I didn't like what he said, but I didn't really understand why he was so stupid, or excuse me, so wrong or whatever. Um, but, but now as an adult, this is what I would say to him if I could go back in time. I would say, listen, dude, first of all, you're 19 years old. You don't know jack squat about what a preacher should or should not be talking about. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would want to say to him is, is, is that anybody, any of us, if we start thinking, you know what, preachers really shouldn't talk about money, you've, obviously you've never really read the Bible. Do you realize there are over 800 verses of Scripture in the Old and New Testament where God talks about money and talks about the way that we should manage our money? And, and how about this? Ever heard of Jesus? You know, he's pretty important in the Bible. In fact, it's like he's the whole reason that everything's the whole reason we do this. His death on the cross is the reason that we gather together. And so everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Everything in the New Testament is about Jesus. He's the main thing. Did you realize that when Jesus was on earth, he taught about a lot of different things? And did you realize Jesus taught more about money than he did about heaven and hell? If you read through the teachings of Jesus, he taught more about your money, how to manage your money, what our attitude and our heart should be about money, more than he even taught 
about heaven and hell. So, so really, when, when we talk about whether we should talk about money or not in church, it's an it's a issue that we shouldn't even discuss because the truth is this. The truth is that money man- management is a spiritual issue. Money management is a spiritual issue. And so when we're thinking about how we're going to live our lives and we're thinking about, okay, what do I want to do to please God and how should I live and what things should I do and what things shouldn't I do and what things should I make a part of my life, our money management has got to be included in that that conversation because it is so much of what we do with money reveals about what's in our hearts. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. See, last week, we I mean, the name of our church is Freedom Fellowship and what we desire for you, and, and we've talked about this Last week and all the weeks in in this year so far, we did a whole series of messages about why this church exists. And you know if you were there, and if not, you can go back and listen to the podcast online. What we talked about is this church exists because we want to help as many people as possible discover true spiritual freedom, and that only comes through Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. We want people to be spiritually free. Because the scripture says that all of us who sin are slaves to sin. The scripture also says that all of us sin. Therefore, we're all slaves to sin and we all need to be set free. And so if we're going to be set free spiritually, then then that's, that's wonderful. And we want people to be forgiven of sin. But the other thing that we want for you as you're living your life is we want you to be free in all areas of your life. And one of the ways we want you to be set free is we want you to be financially free as well. And so what we're going to talk, we're going to start this thing off today, and I'm I'm going to tell you three things that are true about money, and and the scripture backs these three things up, and here's the first one. First thing that's true about money is, money is a powerful force. Money is a powerful force. Now, any of you that have lived in this world very long and have dealt with things in the real world, you understand that to be true. People that have money, they, they usually can be in positions of power. And, and, and sometimes I think we can be, as Christians, we can be a little idealistic and talk about, well, you know, money's really not that important and it's not all there is. You're right, money's not all there is, but it is powerful. I can remember one time reading a, uh, a Facebook post from someone who, at the time, they were about, I think when they wrote this Facebook post, they were about 18 or 19 years old, and they put something on Facebook about how I'm never going to work a nine-to-five job because I'm not going to let my life be ruled by money. And I thought to myself, wow, that's really interesting that you're writing that on the computer that your daddy bought for you while sitting in the bed that your daddy bought for you in the bedroom of your daddy's house. And how did your daddy buy that computer and pay for that wireless connection and buy that bed and pay for that house? Oh yeah, by working a nine to five job. See, the, re- the reality is, is that, that we have to deal with money. Money is powerful and we all have to deal with it. We, there's not a one of you in here that can get away with not having anything to do with money. Because you deal with it every day, you have to earn it, you have to spend it, you have to figure out the best way to use it. And so because money is such a powerful force and because of the fact that we use it all the time and it's such a big part of our lives, there are a couple misconceptions about money. And and, and these misconceptions are are usually believed by church people. And let, let me tell you one misconception that I think church people have about money. And that is, a lot of times people believe that money is a sign of God's blessing. Money's a sign of God's blessing. In fact... There are pastors who teach that. 
There are whole churches who teach that. And, and this is just me talking as a pastor who doesn't have a new car and who doesn't have a beach house. I think some of those pastors that teach that, they teach that because they want the people to give a lot to the pastor so that then they can drive the new car and have the beach house and say, look, ooh, look, God's blessing me. Right? I got to get me one of those kind of churches where I can start being a pastor of that church so I can get that new Mercedes I've always wanted, right? But some, some people believe that, that money is a sign of God's blessing. I want to tell you that's wrong. Money is not a sign of God's blessing. If it was a sign of God's blessing, then why was it that Jesus, when he was teaching about money one time, he talked about how difficult it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven? See, we, and, and we even. And we don't do it on purpose, but we even use that language sometime. Let's say you own your own business, and you just are covered up with work. And somebody comes and asks you how work is, and you're a Christian. Chances are you're going to say, oh man, God's blessing. I'm just, God is blessing. I'm just, man, I made more money last quarter than I'd ever made in the history of my business. God is blessing. Well, he might be, but, but guess what? He's also blessing you during the quarter that you had in 2009 after the stock market went down and you had to fire everybody and you thought you were going under. God's blessing us as we're believers. If we're following him, he's blessing us all the time. But sometimes we begin to believe that money is a sign of God's blessing. But see, here's what money really is all about. Look at Proverbs 28.6. It's going to be on the screen. This is what Proverbs 28.6 says. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. See, the issue with money, with God, it's not about how much we have or don't have. It's about what our attitude of our heart is towards the money that we do have. All of you have some money. Some of you in here have more than others. And those of you that, and and probably all of us, whether you have a lot or a little, we all seem to want more. That's one of the things that we struggle with. And it doesn't matter if you have a whole lot or a little bit. What matters is what our attitude towards our, in our heart is towards that money. It's better to have nothing and be following God with our money than to have it all and to be swindling people and stealing from God and, and being stingy with what we've been blessed with. It's really about what's in our heart. See, our attitudes towards our money... Uh, really determines, it, it shows people what's, what's in our heart because that comes out. And so the question is, does our heart line up with God's heart? Because let me tell you something about what we're going to talk about the next several weeks that, that, that might scare you. God really does care what we do with our money. It, it really does matter to him how we use that money. We're going to talk in a minute about why that's so important. Here's a second misconception that, that church people sometimes have about money. That is that money is evil. Money is evil. How many of you ever heard it? You ever heard the, the, the Pink Floyd song, Money? Some of y'all just like went into a 70s flashback right there. But, but the, the Pink Floyd song, Money, says, money is the root of all evil today. No, listen, those guys made some awesome music, but they misquoted scripture there. See, that, that's a misquotation of 1 Timothy 6.10, which doesn't say money is the root of all evil, but what is, Bible scholars that went to Sunday school, what is the root of all evil? Is it money or what? The love of money. Absolutely. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It is the love of money. I, I, I'll give you an example. I happen to have a little cash on me today because it's the first of the month. Normally, all I have is a debit card. Here's a nice $5 bill. Well, it's not really that nice. It's ripped, but 
it'll spin either way. There's Abe Lincoln. Doesn't he look good? Now, that's a $5 bill. Now, that $5 bill sitting there on that table is incapable of doing good or bad. This $5 bill cannot commit murder. It cannot, um, it cannot do something good for somebody. It's, it's an inanimate object. It is amoral. It is neither good nor, it is, nor is it bad. It, is just, it just exists. And what determines whether money is good or bad is how we use it. And so, so when we start thinking money is evil, no, money's not evil. It's what's in our heart. It's the attitude that we have towards it that we have to be careful about. Take, for instance, um, take, take your tongue or, or my tongue. We all have a tongue. Is anybody in here tongueless? If you are, we're going to pray for you. I think everybody in here has a tongue. Awesome. So we all have tongues. And, and here's what we can do. Here's what I can do with my tongue. With my tongue, I can, uh, I can do what I'm doing today. I can stand up here and I can teach the Bible. I would think that we would all agree that's a good thing. Uh, I can tell my wife, say, baby, I love you. You are so pretty. I can tell her all those kinds of things. That's, that's a good thing, right? Ladies, isn't that a good thing? I can tell my daughters how proud I am of them and, and, uh, and, ha- and how awesome they are. That's, that's a good thing that I can do with my tongue, isn't it? I, I can sing to, to, to God, and some of you are like, Cliff, you haven't heard me sing. It's not very good, but, but it is. It, it, scripture says whatever you sing, as long as it comes to your heart, it's good. I can, I can eat banana pudding with my tongue. That is definitely a good thing, right? So there's a lot of good things I can do with my tongue. You know what else this same tongue can do? This same tongue can lie. And this same tongue can gossip. Oh, man, she is putting on some LBs, right? I mean, this same tongue can can criticize people. This same tongue that ate banana pudding can also eat broccoli. That is evil, right? And, and so, but, but it's, the same, it's the same thing. But, but what makes the difference? Well, what makes the difference is what's in my heart. See, because Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if, if this tongue is being used to gossip, and criticize and backbite, then that shows what's really in my heart. If this tongue is being used to build up and encourage and tell people about Jesus, that shows what's in my heart. It's the same thing with our money. If your money is being used for things that, that don't glorify God, then that, that shows what's going on in your heart. See, your money can't do anything on its own. It only does what you tell it to do. And what you consistently tell your money to do reveals what's inside of you. So what what money does is it it magnifies the character of the person holding on to it. It's what it does. If you've got money and you're holding on to it, then then what you do with your money, it magnifies what's going on. If if your heart is turned towards the things of God, then the way you deal with your money will show that. If your heart is not turned towards the things of God, the way you deal with your money will show that. It just magnifies who we already are. It magnifies our character. Here's the second thing that we, we need to remember about money. First is money is a powerful force. The second one is this. Money expands and limits our options. Now, let's talk about the expanding part first because that's the fun part. If, if for some reason, let's say, I, instead of being me, I was Warren Buffett uh, and 
By the way, if I was, instead of me, if I was Warren Buffett, we'd already have a church building. We wouldn't be meeting in this high school right now, but that's another story. But it, if it wasn't me, if I was Warren Buffett, and I said to you today, listen, I'm a multi-billionaire. It's what I'm going to do for all of you here today. Because you came to church, it shows that your heart is somewhat turned toward the things of God. I'm going to give all of you $25,000 for just showing up here today. Now, immediately, all of you in here, including me, you know what we would start doing? We would start thinking of what can we do with that money? Man, I got 25000 extra dollars. Warren Buffett gave it to me. I didn't know it was going to be there. Look at all the other things I can do. I can take this trip. I can give some of it away. I can build this onto my house. I can buy this car. I can... We would start thinking of all the different things we could do with $25,000. Why? Because money can expand our options. But that only works if you have it. See, here's, here's the, the bigger reality for probably 90% of us in here. Proverbs 22.7 says this, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Most of us in here are borrowers. We have borrowed on something. We owe on our house, we owe on our car, we owe on a boat, we owe on another house, we owe on another car, some of us owe on furniture, some of us are still paying off big screen TV that you bought for the Super Bowl last Sunday. We owe money, we are borrowers, we are a nation of borrowers. And the truth is, is that when we borrow, what that does is it limits our options financially. Why is that? Because what this verse says, which listen, I understand it's a hardcore verse. I understand this is not something you wanted to hear today. But the truth is that the more we borrow, the more enslaved we are. Because why? A slave has no choice in where they're going to go, what they're going to get to do, because their options are limited. And when we borrow, it limits our options. Why? Because we can't do what we want to do because our master has to tell us what we can do. Oh, I'd like to do with this uh, with our money. And then our master, who for some of us is MasterCard, says, no, you can't do that with your money because you've got to send most of that to me this month. Or your student loan that you're still paying off, well, I'd like to go and do this. No, you can't. I'm your master. I'm the student loan, and you've got to pay this off this month, and so you can't do what you would like to be able to do. And what that does for us when we're followers of Jesus, it can be very frustrating. Because just like Donnie prayed about it a while ago, we had this group of folks down here. Listen, they're not going to, to, uh, to Haiti and to the Middle East and to Uganda for free. It costs money. It costs money to get on a plane. It costs money to get a passport. It costs money to have shots. It costs money to eat. It costs money to do all the things they're going to do over there. And so for them to be able to do that, they had to get to a point where they said, I've got enough where I can spend this on something God wants me to spend it on. But if it's all lent out to MasterCard and to the student loan people and to the car you're paying off and to the boat you're paying off, then guess what? When those opportunities come, the next time we stand up here and say, hey, y'all remember that group that went to Haiti last year? We're going back to Haiti again. Wouldn't you like to go? You might be thinking, yeah, I'd like to go. And then you say, oh, but you know what? I can't because my master is all the people that I owe money to, and they're not going to give me the money to be able to go and do this. It limits our options. And for those of us as believers, that can be a very frustrating thing. I'll tell you, about the time that happened to me personally, um, it's been several years ago now, I can't remember the exact year, 
and uh, Hurricane Katrina hit, hit Louisiana and the Gulf Coast. Well, Sherry and I, before we moved to Greer, uh, we lived in New Orleans for almost three years. I was a student down there at New Orleans Baptist Seminary. And so the, the place we lived was completely flooded. Uh, places that, that we went every day uh, were flooded. Places we bought groceries and went to the mall and went out to eat. All those things were flooded. And so here I was at home watching this on TV and could not believe what I was seeing. And for everyone else watching, they're like, oh, that's so sad. I'm watching it and going, I know where that is. I've been to that location. I could drive you there right now. And I'm seeing all this going on, and I immediately started thinking, I want to go down there and help. I want to go do something. But, and you know why I wasn't able to go? It wasn't because I didn't have time. We had just started the church. I could have said to Donnie, hey, I'm going to be gone for a month. And he'd have been like, well, I guess, you know, Cliff's being a jerk, but I, there's nothing I can do about it. I, it wasn't time. It wasn't because I didn't want to. The reason I wasn't able to go is because I didn't have any extra money. Now, we had enough money to pay our bills. We were pay, never missed a payment on the house or anything like that. But when I looked at what I had, I realized I don't have any. If I wanted to leave today, I don't have an extra $1,000, $500, $2,000 to go and do this and help these people. And it was a very frustrating feeling to realize the only thing limiting me from doing what I think would be a great thing that I think God would bless my efforts in doing is I didn't have the cash to pay for it. See, money can expand our options, but it also can limit our options. And then the third thing that's true about money, and this is where the kind of the rubber meets the road, is money must be managed. Money must be managed. There's a fancy church word for this that you've got to go to seminary like me and Donnie did to really understand it. I'm just kidding. It's really not that complicated. The fancy church word is stewardship. And some of you hear stewardship, and you grew up in a church where every time you heard stewardship, that meant the preacher was about to ask you to give more money. I'm not going to ask you to give more money today. What I want to do is I want to tell you what stewardship means, and then you can decide for yourself what you need to do with your money. A steward is a manager. So the word stewardship means management. It's just a fancy church word for management, but specifically about money. We, the, the folks we have, we have here at our church, we have a stewardship team, and it's a group of men and women that they help us make decisions about how we're going to spend our money. Are we going to give money to an orphanage in Haiti called Alex's House, which is what some of our folks are going to help with? Are we going to give money to help plant new churches in the places that we're doing that? Are we going to give more money to, to buying a new screen or, or doing whatever it needs to be done? Or That's how the, the stewardship team helps us manage the money of the church. How are we going to spend it? Now, if you're married, you and your husband, you and your wife, the two of you are the stewardship team of your household. You get to decide, you get to manage that money. If you're not married yet, or you were married and, and, and you're never going to be married again, you're on your own, guess what? You are the stewardship team. You are a one-man, one-woman stewardship team. And what we're supposed to do as, as stewards is we're supposed to know what we have and then take good care of it. Proverbs 27, 23 says this, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. Now, most of you in here don't have flocks and herds. But back when this was written, flocks and herds was how they determined how wealthy you were. But what you do have is you have a checking account. 
You have a savings account, a money market account. You've got stocks. You've got a house. You've got money tied up in all kinds of other things. And what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to pay attention to that stuff. We're supposed to know how much we have, how much we think is going to come in, and more importantly, how much is going out. That's really important for us to know. See, God requires us to manage our money. Why does he require that? This might blow some of your minds. Think right now about everything you own. Get a picture in your mind. Think about that house. Think about the car you drove here in. Think about what is in your checking account right now. Think about all that stuff. Now, I want to break your heart and let you know that you don't own any of it. None of it's yours. See, it all belongs to God. And what God is doing is He is allowing you to have a portion of what belongs to Him and then He is going to allow you to manage what really belongs to Him. It'd be like if you were going out of town and, uh, and you called me up and you said, Hey Cliff, I'm going to be gone for two weeks and I'd like for you to, to house sit for me. And you said, this is what I want. I want, you to, I want you to not just check on my house. I want you to live in my house for the two weeks I'm gone. I want you to sleep in my bed, use my bathroom, cook in my kitchen, watch my TV. I want you to live in that house for the two weeks while I'm gone. Now, if I accepted that and I said, sure, yeah, let's go, I'll, I'll do that. And then as soon as you left, now, let me tell you what I'm not going to do in your house. I'm not going to, as soon as you go, call up like 50 of my most rowdy friends and say, hey, I got the place if you bring the kegs and the weed. All right, I'm not going to do that. And we're not going to have a big party in your house. And you know why I'm not going to do that? Because I am too old to party, all right? I, most days, by 10 o'clock, I'm working a crossword puzzle and wearing my pajama pants. But the real reason... The real reason I'm not going to do that in your house, there's two reasons. The first thing is, you have entrusted to me what belongs to you. And I'm going to want to honor you by taking very good care of it. And the second reason is you're going to be coming back in a couple of weeks. And when you come back, I'm going to have to answer for what has gone on in that house. And if you walk in and there's holes in the sheet rot and there's stains on the carpet and all this other stuff, you're going to say, what's going on? I've got to be able to give an account. I've got to be able to answer for that. Well, you know, Jesus told this story, and, and, and I'm not going to read it to you today. You can look it up for, your, for yourself. It's in Matthew 25 and it's in Luke 19. So if you're taking notes, write that down. He told this story about a, about a man who had a bunch of money and he left and, and he gave a lot of his servants some money. And then guess what? He came back and when he showed back up, what did he want to know? What have you done with what I left you? Because it didn't belong to them. It belonged to the, to the master. And when the master showed up, he wanted to know. And the, and the servants, they had to give an account. And, and Jesus said that the master was not really happy with the guy who did nothing with what was given to him. What he was happy about was with the people who used what had been given to them in the way that would, would honor him. We All the stuff that we own is really God's. And he has given it to us to manage. And we should want to manage it well for two reasons. One, because we want to honor the God who's given it to us. 
So we should want to use our money in a way that honors him. And the second thing is, is one day we're going to have to give an account. One day, either we're going to go see the master, or if we live long enough, he's going to come get us. And when he does that, we're going to have to answer with what we did with that $40,000 a year salary you have, or $80,000 a year salary you have. We're going to have to answer for that. And God is, is, is going to do that one day. And so management of our money, money must be managed, and it's something that God has commanded us to do. Now, let me tell you this. Stewardship, or managing your money, doesn't happen by accident. It takes planning. Jesus said this in Luke 14 when he was talking about managing money, and he said this, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Jesus said if we're going to manage our money well, we need to make a plan. We need to think through. We need to know how much is coming in. We need to know where it's going to go when it goes back out. And we need to make some, some godly, biblical decisions about our money. See, having a plan is, is the difference between you managing your money and your money managing you. Now, I'm not really old yet, and I don't know everything. Far from it. But I have lived long enough to know this. And, and, and I know this is true. Whatever money we have is going to get used. Think back, think about what you, as a, let's say if you've been married a while, think about what you make now as a couple. And think about how much money you made when you first graduated from high school. Now, when you first graduated from high school, if you were lucky, you know, you were making maybe, well, I don't even want to say a number because it depends on when you graduated, but you weren't making anything when you first graduated from high school. And you thought then, if I could only make this number, and it might be the number you're making now, you were thinking, man, if I could have that much money, I wouldn't have anything to worry about. But guess what? Now you make that much money. And you know what you're thinking? Well, if I could only have this other amount of money, then I wouldn't have anything to worry about. Why? Because whatever we bring in, we're going to use up. This is what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 21.20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. See, the Bible says that if we use all that we have and we don't save anything, then the Bible calls us fools. Now, I don't know what the Bible would call someone who doesn't just use all he has, but he uses all he has and then on credit uses some more because that's what most of us do. Do you realize that the average American spends a dollar and 24 cents for every dollar they earn. That's what we can do in this country with plastic, is we can not only spend all we earn, we can spend all we earn plus about 24% more than what we've earned. And then what happens is later on, then we realize we don't have any options, and all our options are limited because of the fact that we've spent more than we're, we, we've, we've even earned at this point. And so what the Bible says, it says that if we don't manage our money and if we spend all we have and we don't save any, then it says that we're foolish. And so what we want to do is we want to help you learn how to live differently. Now, there are some of you here today that, that you're still uncomfortable with the fact that I'm talking about money. There are some of you here right now, you are convinced that somehow I've gotten a hold of your W-2 
and I know what you earned last year, and you're thinking, I don't know what he's talking about, but he shouldn't know what I spent and what I give. And all. You know, listen, I don't know. I don't know what you give to the church. I don't know what you earn. I barely know what I earn, right? So, so I don't know that information. But I just know enough to know that that's how we seem to live. Now, there's others of you here today that you're hearing this, and something, you're kind of getting excited. You're thinking, yeah, yeah. I agree with some of this stuff. I want to live different. I, I don't want to spend all that I earn anymore. I, I want to do something different with my money. I want to manage it. I want to do what God wants me to do. And what's going to happen is that excitement is going to last. You're going to be, maybe you'll even be excited through lunch today. And you're going to go eat lunch somewhere. And, and you're going to get done at Arby's. And you're going to be going home. And you're going to be talking to your husband or talking to your wife. And you're like, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to manage our money. And you're going to get home. And you're going to get out the checkbook. And you're going to get out all your bills. And you're going to say, well, there ain't nothing to manage because it's all gone. What are we supposed to do? And see, here's what, here's what we want to do here at Freedom. Is we don't want to just tell you that you're supposed to manage your money. We want to help you learn how to do it. We want to give you tools so that you can make that happen. And so that's why starting this week, we have life groups that are going to be meeting almost every day of the week. And those life groups are going to be going through Financial Peace University. And if you have not yet registered for life groups, you can go online right now. Well, probably not because it's hard to get a signal in here. But we go out in the parking lot and you can go online and you can go ahead and register to be in a life group. And let me tell you what, what you can learn through Financial Peace University. You can learn how to save. You can learn how to budget. You can learn how to get out of debt. You can learn, and this one is really important, you can learn how to talk to your spouse about finances because some of you you've never gotten to the point of getting out of debt or 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 saving because y'all argue every time it comes up so that's huge you can learn all of those things through financial peace university but here's here's what it requires the reason i said you can learn instead of you will learn um, it requires that you are in the group and it requires that you apply what you learn there was a a couple uh, that i knew one time and they went through financial peace, and uh, they were at a time in their life where they really could have benefited from what they were learning in financial peace, and, uh, but for some reason, um, they didn't really like what they were hearing. They thought Dave Ramsey was a know-it-all, and, and listen, he comes off hardcore, that's all right. They thought all that kind of stuff, and they decided they weren't going to do what you know, was taught in, in financial peace. And during this time, it was interesting, they came into some money. That wasn't a whole lot, but it was more money than I've ever all of a sudden come into. And it was a few thousand dollars. They came into this money. And I was sitting there thinking, man, y'all are going through financial peace. you got this money that just showed up. This is going to be great. You're going to be able to use this for good things and put it aside. And, uh, and here's what I know today. I still know these folks. Here's what I know today about that couple. All that money is gone and, and they're struggling to make it. Now, they were in financial peace. How could that be? Because they were in financial peace and they said, I ain't going to listen to that stuff. We're going to spend this money on something else. And so you, you can benefit from this if you will be in the group and if you will put it into practice. See, the new normal for the United States is being in debt. Uh, normal for the United States is being broke and it's being in debt. But what I want us to be, I want us to have a new normal, which is living with our money the way God intends for us to live. That seven out of ten Americans today live paycheck to paycheck. 
33% of Americans, if they had a, an emergency come up that cost $5,000, they would not be able to, to deal with it without going and getting a loan. I want us to be a, a church of people that have learned how to deal with our money the biblical way and to, to be able to do things with money that glorifies God. And so you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity today to, to really change the future for your family. You have an opportunity to change the future for your kids. But it won't just happen on its own. It's going to take a commitment from you. And so my question today for you is, is will you take the opportunity to, to do what it's going to take to, to, to be financially free and to manage your money the way God wants you to? You have that chance, and we're going to teach you how to do it. We're going to, um, I'm going to pray for us. And uh, as I pray, as you're thinking, I'm going to put this $5 back up, by the way, because some of y'all are going to try to steal it, I know. That's what I would do if I was sitting out there. Money managed right there in my pocket. I know where it is. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and after I pray, we're going to have a closing song. But while I, while I do this, I want you to um, just to be thinking, and, and, and maybe what you need to do right now is you need to look at your husband or your wife that's in here, and I look at them right now and say, hey, we need to talk about this this afternoon. And guys, take the lead on that, all right? And ladies, if your husband doesn't say it, just pray for him. He needs Jesus, right? And so, uh, but just look at him right now and say, hey, we probably need to talk about money this afternoon because we spend it all, and we spend more than it all. And Because uh, it's going to take, take a commitment from both of you. But I'm excited about what can happen over the next several weeks as we journey together as a church and to, to try to do what we really are supposed to do with our money. Let me pray, and uh, then the band's going to come up. We're going to have a closing song, so let's pray together. Father God, thank you for uh, the fact that your word that was written so long ago is completely and, and utterly practical to today's world. That the truths that you taught uh, so long ago when, when people used a different currency and the United States didn't even exist yet, that those truths about money still are, are usable today. And so I pray that for, for myself and for everyone else who's a part of this church, that, that um, we would, over the next several weeks, that we would be open to hearing what it is you want us to know about our money. And uh, that we would, we would be challenged by that and that we would respond to that challenge by doing what you have told us to do. We trust you to provide for us. We know that everything good we have comes from your hand, the house we live in, the food we eat, and, uh, and so we thank you for all of that. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.